Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. If you knew this morning we're in a series on the life of Elisha, we've titled it Times Two because he's asking for a double blessing, a double blessing. And the title of the message is Big Help for Little Problems. Sometimes we think we only need big help for big problems, but big help for little problems. Come to a story that's really quite interesting. In fact, if you read through the commentaries, most commentaries pretty much have one paragraph, maybe two, and that's it on this story. They don't have much to say about it. Uh, it's a very, very interesting story, and I don't know that I'd ever be comfortable calling any miracle insignificant, but if you were going to say, what is the, the least significant miracle in the Bible, I would, I would name this miracle. It's a very unusual story. Let's pick it up, beginning in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. One day, the group of the prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, the place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them, and when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Ever borrowed something and like something went wrong with it? And you're like, oh, that's this guy. Borrowed it and it's gone. Borrowed it and it's broke. Borrowed it and he's going to have to buy a new one, right? Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. End of story. God bless. Have a great day. Three lessons I want to give you on this. Three very simple lessons because this is such a great story. Number one, it pays to hang out with faith-filled people. It pays to hang out with faith-filled people. A lot of what happens to us in life is based on the people we hang out with. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully. I might suggest to you, choose your friends, choose your future. I mean, would you like, when you look at your friends, do you want your life to look like their life? If not, you got the wrong friends. Because the people you hang out with are the people you will be like. The people you hang out with will determine what your life looks like. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Some of you are hanging out with people who aren't helping you. You're hanging out with people who aren't encouraging you to walk by faith. You're hanging out with people who are not helping you walk in holiness. You're hanging out with people who aren't drawing you close to God. In fact, truth be told, when you're with them, you feel farther from God. Parents, I would just say this. One of the jobs of a parent is to guide their children in the choice of their friends. 
Some of you, I, I say it in love, but I just say it that you might think about it, that you might pray about it, that you might ask God to help you, but you're way too passive when it comes to the relationships that your children have with others. Your children need to be around people who draw them close to God. Your children need to be around people who are going to build them up in faith. Hard enough to live for Jesus, but especially if you surround yourself with people who don't love Jesus. This is why it's worth it to get them here on Wednesday night, to have them in youth, if they're in junior high on Sunday morning, to get them there to be regular because it will help them build friendships that will build their faith, that will inspire a heart for God, that will cause them to walk with God, and they'll be the beneficiary, and you'll be the beneficiary. When your children love God, they are much easier to parent. Who you hang out with, determines what your life will look like. I mean, we've talked about this, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise. You want to get wise? Hang around with wise people. But a companion of fools suffers harm. It's not that you become a fool, it's just you're going to get hurt. Because fools say crazy things, foolish things. They do foolish things, and oftentimes that works to the injury of themselves and those who are with them. Walk with the wise, become wise. What is wisdom? It's the practical application of God's Word to our daily life. It's taking what you read in Scripture and applying it to your life. It's knowing how, how to live, what to do, what to say, how to process things that you come across. You process it through the lens of God's Word. When you do that, you're wise. And one of the things that when Debbie and I were starting out, I just watched for wise people, and then I got as close to them as I could. I listened to them as much as I could. I would ask a lot of questions, especially in parenting. I would look at people who were ahead of us in the parenting cycle, and I would, I would ask them questions. When I saw somebody that was doing a good job, I asked a lot of questions. I watched what would happen. I would, when they would say, well, we're going through this right now, here's how we're handling it, I would watch how things went. I learned so much, because when you walk with the wise, you become wise. Let me say this. If you want to see spiritually powerful things happen in your life, hang out with spiritually powerful people. This man experiences a miracle that we are talking about millennia later. Why? Because he was hanging out with Elisha. And we don't know that he knew Elisha, but he was hanging out with a group of prophets, and through his affiliation with this group of like-minded people who loved God, he was introduced to an amazing miracle. If he's not hanging around them, it's not going to happen. This is why it's so valuable to be in church, why it's so valuable to be in the prayer meeting. I mean, honestly... 3,600 testimonies, written testimonies of healing. So that means there's even more. There's some people who haven't given us a testimony, but they've received healing nonetheless. And you think of that, most of it has happened on Wednesday night, has happened on Sunday, has happened because people have gotten together with their life group or with others on their dream team. It happens all the time around the halls. Who you hang out with determines what will happen to you in your life. That's so why getting in Grow Track, getting on a dream team, 
So important. That's why getting in a life group, as we're starting a new trimester, getting in a life group, getting around people who, who are wise in how to do life can make a massive difference. Because what happens to us in life is by and large determined by who we hang out with. And when you hang out with faith-filled people, you're going to find yourself approaching the problems, the issues of life with faith in a way that will change your life and introduce you to God's power. Number two, I love this point. God cares about all of our problems. All of our problems. Do you have a big problem you're facing today? God cares about it. Do you have a little problem you're facing today? God cares about it. You see, God cares about little things. And, and let me just say this, because sometimes people have the idea, well, it's too little to bother God. Well, God's got bigger things for you. He's running the universe. You don't need to worry about my little problem. Which misunderstands God altogether. Because with God, there's no such thing as a big problem. With God, every problem's little. When you're omnipotent and you have all power, which he does, he never loses power. He never expends power. It's always his power. And he can do all things equally and effortlessly. He's powerful. No big problems for God. Isn't that great news? And he delights to work in our life. Now, I want you to notice something, because it's very interesting how this story is placed, because I think it's saying something to us. It follows right on the heels of the story of Naaman. Remember, he was the leper? And that story involved international relations. We had two countries. It involved correspondence between two kings. It involved a general. It was not just any general, but he was a mighty man, a mighty general. And he was a general who had a an incurable disease, leprosy. He had a big problem, and God cares about big problems. But then 2 Kings chapter 6 starts with the story of an unnamed prophet who lost an axe head. That problem's never going to affect international relationships. No king is going to write a letter about a lost axe head. A lost axe head is not, in our way of thinking, as important as an incurable disease. This prophet didn't know a general, and he didn't know kings. He lost an axe head that he had begged somebody to borrow. And now, what is his problem? He's embarrassed. You ever borrowed something? Scratched it, broke it, ruined it, lost it. And now you're like, oh, snap, what am I going to say to them? I'm going to have to go buy a new one. I'm going to have to do, you know, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, like, I just, I mean, I just very rarely will borrow something from anybody because if it doesn't go well, it's bad all the way around. That's this guy. It's bad. He's embarrassed. He's going to have to replace it. And here's the good news. God cares. You wouldn't imagine it, would you? When a nation's away from God, when all kinds of problems are happening and somebody loses an axe head and God cares. 
I just want to say to you today, I don't know what your problem is. If it's, if it's big to you, God cares. But for some of you, the problem isn't huge, but you never went to God because you didn't think it was important enough. And God cares about lost keys and a lost earring and a lost wallet. You say, well, if it's full of money, it's worth a lot. Yeah. Or a broken washing machine or a lawnmower that won't start. He cares. You say, is God going to fix those things? Let me just say this. As your faith is, be it unto you. I mean, see, some of you, you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, and see, so you're not going to pray, and you're not going to pray with faith, and you'll never see it, and you'll continue to not know, and others of you will say, in the name of Jesus, spin cycle be fixed. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, you're going to see the spin cycle work. I just know that God cares. That you can go to him, that you can ask him, that you can pray, that, that he cares. I mean, you know, not long ago I lost my wallet. I looked everywhere for my wallet. You know, it's, uh, I don't carry a big fat wallet. It's really thin, so it'd be easy to lose, kind of a, just a money clip with a few cards in it. And so I mean, I look high and I look low. And uh, honestly, in our family, I'm not usually the person who loses things, so God uses those things to kind of humble me and give me new sympathy for Debbie losing our credit card and not telling me for a week. Um, <laughs> she's like, I know it's around here somewhere. <laughs> I said, well, let's pray. And she's like, I have been. <laughs> and we found it. But I'm looking for my wallet. And I mean, I look in every pair of pants. I look, in, I look everywhere I keep my wallet. Can't find it. And so, at, you know, instead of first of all praying, I'm looking everywhere and beginning to be, get a little frustrated. Finally, I'm like, Lord, you know exactly where that wallet is. And so, God, I just, I just pray that you would, you would, you know, help me find it. So I go back in the closet. I'm grabbing a pair of, I've got my workout clothes on. I'm grabbing a pair of pants I'm going to put on. And so I grab them and boop, the wallet falls right out there, right on the floor. And I'm like, Jehovah Jireh. Got my wallet. God cares. Isn't that wonderful? It just makes my heart happy. You say, you really think he cares? Oh, the Bible says he cares. Psalm 37, verse 23. I love this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. One of the advantages of walking with God is he's directing your steps even when you're not aware of it. One of the disadvantages of not walking with God, you're just on your own. God directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail. Every detail. He delights... In finding that ring or that earring, he delights in every tiny detail. He's watching. He cares every detail of your life. The psalmist puts it this way, and I love this. You saw me before I was born. Do you realize that when you were in your mother's womb, God was watching? He didn't need a sonogram or an ultrasound to see you. He saw you right there. 
He was watching, and not only that, he was thinking about your life, and he, he has ordered every single day you ever live. You're not going to last one day longer. You're not going to leave one day sooner. God's got it all taken care of. And then it says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. This from the God who the psalmist says counts the stars and calls them by name. And he's thinking about you so much, you. You say, well, why would he be thinking about me? Because he loves you. Because he's crazy about you. Because he cares about you. Because you're not here by accident. Because he saw you in his mind before time began. And he willed your creation. And he planned for your salvation. He's got plans for your glorification heaven. He's got plans for you can't begin to imagine. And he's thinking about you. He's crazy about you. Look at this. I can't even count the thoughts. They outnumber the grains of sand. Next time you're on a beach and you see all the grains of sand, just realize all those grains of sand, God's got more thoughts about you than he has that. You say, oh, John, that's hyperbole. You surely don't take that seriously, do you? What, you don't think he can do it? The God for whom nothing is impossible, the all-knowing God, that means he knows all things equally and effortlessly. You think he can't know? You, you think he can't have that many thoughts about you? He does. See, the problem with most people when it comes to God is they just don't understand how much he loves them. They don't understand how, how much he cares down to the tiniest details of our life. He cares about things you don't even care about relative to your life. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, it's a penny. You get two. Luke says if you buy five, they'll throw in an extra one for free in Luke's passage. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. I mean, he sees when they hop and when they drop. I mean, he's right there. He watches it, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. He's counting them. Getting easier for him with some of us all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting a little bit of a bald spot back there. You can see it. People say, yeah, you don't have much hair there. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If what's there fell in your soup, you'd think it was a lot. Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Listen, if you knew how much God loves you, if you knew how much God cares for you, you wouldn't worry about anything. And you wouldn't think twice about asking him for anything. Because he, the Bible says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He, he longs in his heart. He's just like, I just want to be gracious to him or to her. And then it says he rises to show you compassion. This is Isaiah 30 and verse 18. In other words, he gets excited about doing something that demonstrates his compassion in your life. Big things, little things, everything. That's how he is. Verse 4. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down the trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was borrowed. Literally, it was, 
it was begged for. Like he goes to the guy and says, can I borrow your axe? And the guy's like, uh, the only one I got. Well, I need it. We're going to company of the prophets. If I don't have an axe, I'm going to stand there and, and I really, please, I'll take good care. I promise I will bring it back in as good or better condition. And now all those words are ringing in his ears as the axe head, as he takes, swings it, comes back, and it goes off into the river. And his heart is sinking. Look what Elisha says. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. Elisha could have said this. He could have said, well, hey, you dummy, go find it yourself. I mean, where did it fall? I mean, right there in the water. Why don't you take your sandals off and get some of your friends and just go? Because, I mean, the Jordan River, it's not the mighty Mississippi. So the Jordan River, if you go there, outside of flood stage, really looks like a muddy creek that in a lot of places is not that deep. So it wouldn't have been a problem for them if they knew it fell in the general area. Hey, get 10, 20 people, take your sandals off, get in there, and just start mushing around in the mud. Pretty soon you're going to fill some metal or some iron and then reach down and pick it up. I mean, it's, this isn't rocket science. See, sometimes we have the idea God helps those who can help themselves. We're like, God's only going to help us if it's something that we couldn't do on our own. I think this dispels that. Sometimes God just wants to do it because he can. Sometimes God just wants to do it because he wants to do something for you. You will never forget the rest of your life. And you'll say, when I look at that thing, that reminds me God cares. A few weeks ago, I told you the story about, if you weren't here, I was new to a town in, in uh, western Kansas, pastoring, and, and uh, Debbie and I were living in uh, a little house about 900 square feet, didn't have much furniture. We had an antique bed that we had bought for our uh, bedroom that I think she paid uh, $125 for the footboard and the headboard. And then we had like a $75 high boy dresser that was an antique. And we're there and we've had David before we got there. And now Brandon's on the way. And Debbie says, you know, I need a, I, I really need a dresser. I need space. And I mean, we couldn't have bought one if, I mean, if we'd seen one. So she said, let's pray. So we pray that God will give us uh, a dresser. So, you know, that week I'm out going to the dump to clean out the church's closets and all. And this is the conversation with the board member who were using his truck and his trailer and he's driving and he's, he's so kind as to tell me he didn't vote for me and uh, then to follow that up with his wife didn't vote for me and then to follow it up with, you know, you're not going to make it. And so we're having that conversation as we're going out to the dump. And um, so we get out the dump and we're just throwing things out of the back of the trailer and the dump is kind of the, it's sandy out there. The soil's kind of sandy. And I look down and there in the sand, I can see some scroll work, like wood scroll work. That is exactly like the scroll work on our antique bed. And it's just, that's all I see is the scroll work. I don't see anything else. And I'm like, well, that is odd. So I go over there and I start kind of brushing the sand off and stacked neatly together are all the pieces to an antique dresser that perfectly, it's a part of the set to our bed, and it's all 
been fine sanded. It's all ready. All I have to do, I didn't use sandpaper on it. I glued it together, took some urethane, put it on it, and we still have that dresser today. And when I look at it, it reminds me there's a God who cares. He cares about things. He cares about big things. He cares about little things. He knows what we have need of, and he cares. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God cares about the little things in your life? No matter how seemingly small or insignificant, God invites you and I to bring our problems to him. And some of you have left out a pretty significant part of your life because you didn't think it was important enough to bother God with or to matter to God. And God is saying to you today, bring everything. The Bible says casting all our cares on him because he cares for us, right? Well, number three, preparing for a miracle is part of receiving a miracle. Look at this, verse 6, very interesting. Where did it fall? The man of God asked him. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Literally, that cut a stick is, could be translated, he shaped and sized the stick. In other words, what he's doing is he goes to a tree, he gets a branch significant enough that he can shape it down to a new axe handle, because the old axe handle isn't going to work. We, we know that. So he makes a new axe handle. What is he doing? He's preparing for a miracle. He's getting ready. He's getting himself ready. He's getting everybody else ready. I want to ask you this question. If you need a miracle, what is it that you could do to prepare for that miracle? I mean, we've had people who could not conceive. This has happened now multiple times. Who could not conceive, who ended up creating a nursery in their home for the baby they didn't have and it didn't look like they would ever have, but they were getting ready for a miracle. You say, well, John, I mean, doesn't it bother you? Like, what if it doesn't happen? You're setting people up for a huge disappointment. Or not. Well, I've just seen it happen too much. It takes faith for Elisha to make this handle. Because if he throws it in the water and nothing happens, he's going to be a laughing stock. Let me just remind you, faith is spelled this way, R-I-S-K. Faith is risky. In one sense, not because your faith is in the living God who can do anything. But from our end, it appears to be more of a risk. It's a step of faith. It's a step into the unknown. The only thing you know is a good God who loves you, who has said there's nothing he can't do, and you know that to be true. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 6, he cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. <laughs> then the axe said, floated to the surface, and we assumed the handle was on it. So now there's the axe, 
I like what R.T. Kendall says. Let me just say this about R.T. Kendall. This is, he's not what you call a great charismatic. I mean, I, I think he is very open to the things of the Spirit, maybe Spirit-filled, but for years he pastored, he followed David Martin Lloyd-Jones, a Reformed theologian, preached at Westminster Chapel, pastored that church for 25 years. So this is not like a, a flaming uh, Pentecostal charismatic. Look at what he says. This miracle, by the way, is the type of miracle that cynics, especially those who don't believe in miracles, would seize upon to make Elisha look ridiculous. Imagine today a group of charismatics or Pentecostals reporting that piece of iron, that a piece of iron floated on the river. Hey, we had iron floating on the James River. Can you imagine? Iron floated in the baptismal tank. Consider how some talk about the reports of gold teeth in some places. Regarding gold teeth, I saw this once for myself. A 10-year-old Mexican girl screamed during a worship service and asked people to look inside her mouth. I looked in and saw gold teeth, where wisdom teeth are, with perfect symmetry. As tears ran down her cheeks, she kept crying out, Why me? God loves to choose what some are likely to call foolish or silly. Yes, he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I sometimes reckon that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a counsel and ask, what is the next thing we can do to make people sneer or dismiss what we do? The Bible reports the floating of the axe head as a fact, but it would be the perfect sort of miracle that causes cessationists and liberals to dismiss it or laugh at it. So true. I read that and I thought, Lord, if you're having a council with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're looking to do something that will cause critics to scoff, do it at James River. Do it at James River. Do it here. Verse 7, and the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. End of the story. A man needed an axe head because he lost it. And God said, I'm going to do a miracle so he finds it. I don't know what miracle you need. You might need a really big one. Or you might, as we've talked about little things, something came to your mind and you're like, I need God to do that. Doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on because they're all the same to God. He can heal a heart as easily as he can heal a hangnail. It's the same to him. There's no big miracles with God. Just little miracles. Because he can do anything. I don't know what you carry today in the way of a burden. You might be like the girl with the prolapse uterus. You just sense the presence of God. It's a perfect time for God to heal you. You might need financial provision. And you're like, I don't know where I'm going to do. Right now, we can ask God and he can open the windows of heaven. 
said, I don't know how you do it. It doesn't, you don't have to know. Maybe, maybe you just need something small or what you thought was small, but you never asked God about it because you didn't think it was important enough. And God's telling you today, if it's important to you, it's important to him. And he's powerful and loving enough to do it. So if you need a miracle right now, I want you to stand. Lord, you see people standing at the North Campus. You see people standing at Joplin. You see people standing online and standing at the West Campus. You see people standing here at the South Campus. Your word is given to give us hope and encouragement. And Lord, today you've encouraged our hearts that you're a God who does miracles. So, Lord, as people are standing right now in your presence, whatever it is they need, I pray. Lord, you know the purpose for which they're standing. And so I pray that, God, you in your grace and mercy and your power and your love would meet them at their point of need. It should work a miracle. Lord, if there's some preparation you want them to do, make them know what that is right now. Put it in their heart. May they hear your voice. May they hear you speak. But Lord, I pray what you do today would be like that chest, that dresser. A reminder that you're a God who does miracles. So, Father, we thank you for that. Your heads are bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Jesus said this. If you ask anything, believe you have received it and it will be yours. You have to believe it's yours before you see it's yours. You have to believe it's actually been given to you right now. So Lord, may faith rise in our heart. We believe we've received and we thank you, Lord, and we worship you with all of our heart and praise your name. Praise
Yeah.